KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Hadas Kuznets. Hi, Tara. Nice Hi, to meet nice you. To meet. Pleasure to meet you. I'll wave. The 9-11 terrorist attacks were the biggest foreign attack of Americans on American soil. And so uh, this is a very important story for us to tell. And so as we started thinking about the features that we wanted to do for KYW News Radio, uh, we started looking to the people that were impacted locally. I went online to see who the people were from Bucks County, because Bucks County is a, is a pretty close commute to New York. And Tara Bain's name came up a lot. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for taking the time. No worries. So we met on a day in late August at the Garden of Reflection in Lower Makefield. Um, it's a long drive. Once you kind of leave Philadelphia, you're kind of heading through big grassy green fields, spacious suburban areas, and you come across this turnoff and it says, you know, the 9-11 Memorial Garden of Reflection. At the time when we made the uh, arrangement to meet, I didn't realize that she was such a central part in making that park happen. Yeah, it was uh, big plans we had and it came came true. So it's a wonderful space and I'm grateful that we have it. So it was so great to be able to meet her, to talk about her husband on his bench in that park. So the benches, that was something that was added in the walkways after. So people who wanted to have a bench with their loved one's name on it, they could do so. We walked together down the path, across the fountain, over the greenery, um, and to this beautiful cherry tree that was kind of away from it all. I picked this spot. Pretty far away from the crowd. And under that cherry tree was a bench with Michael Bain's name on it. So we're about to sit on Michael Bain's bench. Yep. And it's, can you read the inscription here? Sure. It says, May the long time sun shine upon you, all our love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way on. It was really emotional because... This is her spot. This is kind of like where his memory is. They met when they were really young. We uh, met in college. We moved to Hoboken. Then we moved here. They were building their careers. And he was in the financial industry. They had bought this house in the suburbs together. And they were like privately living their life and trying to have a baby. They were just starting off. They were this young couple that was just starting off. They were in the prime of their careers, in the prime of their lives. The future was bright. And all of a sudden, the unthinkable happened. Uh, My husband, Michael, worked with Marsh, and he was on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center. He commuted from Bucks County to New York City every day. And so he left that morning and they said, I love you, see you later to each other in the morning. And that was it. That was the end. That was the end of their relationship. And that was the end of 
her dreams with him. I guess that morning, uh, I heard a, a small plane hit the tower, and I thought, oh, okay, he'll be fine, you know. It's big buildings. I, I was just in them like a couple of weeks prior. And I went to work, and as I pulled into work, I heard that a second plane hit, and then I sort of panicked. Um, we didn't hear from him. We didn't get any messages, and I made it back home that day in time to see one of the first, the first tower that collapsed. And I wasn't sure which one collapsed and if that was his building. And, and it took me a while to even come to terms with that. He, he died, uh, I would say about a week and a half before I even accepted that he was gone. I, I was hoping, I was praying that they were going to find him or he was in a hospital somewhere. Um, and it took me until I went into Manhattan and I saw the mountain of rubble that was left. And that's when I realized, wow, there's just no way. So, I mean, you know, seeing that, you know, in the middle of low Manhattan, this, this, these towering buildings that were, were reduced to this just mountain of rubble. And I remember standing a ways away because they had, they were secured and armed guards everywhere and just saying he died. He's, he's dead. Yeah, it was uh, a surreal, definitely few hours to few months, <laughs> um, maybe even few years. Yeah. It surprises me every time that the emotion bubbles up, but, um, and I think it's partly because of how he died. You know, so horrific. And I don't even know, really. Listening to her tell the story of how she managed to overcome such tremendous grief and, like, this huge obstacle that I don't think a lot of us have gone through. It, it just, I just am in awe. I personally am in awe that, you know, how do you come out of something like this and not turn to anger? How do you come out of something like this and be better? I mean, I don't want to say she pulled herself out of it because I know she did a lot of work to get there and had a lot of help. But, you know, you, don't, you can't do that if you don't have some sort of drive or desire to get better. And when you watch her do that, it is incredibly inspiring. You know, you just, I don't know. I feel like I just have to keep going and I want to enjoy this life. I'm, I'm stuck here without him. <laughs> I want to still at least enjoy it then. If I have to be here, you know, and, and finding those to be around that you enjoy is an important piece and, and things that you enjoy doing. And so, you know, connecting with people, I think, is, is a big thing. You know, it was a couple of years that went by and and she was still deep in grief over the loss of Michael. And um, she, you know, went to some support groups and she found that there are other widows and other people who lost family members. There were a couple of people who lost their children who were in it. And then one man who lost his wife. And it was years. We would go every week 
And there, it's like this small club that she never wanted to be a part of that she became a part of. And they helped each other. Thankfully, we had it because this was so unknown and it was so new. And, you know, I will always be connected to to the people he, here and that I, you know, went to the support group with. And then anyone. I mean, if I meet someone and somehow there's a connection and we've, oh, wow, 9-11, uh, it's, a, it's a club. <laughs> and it's like you can look at that person in their eyes and they know what you went through. And you don't have to say anything because they know. I believe it was through those meetings that they channeled their grief into the Garden of Reflection. Four of us came and found the location and we worked very hard on it. I mean, we had nothing, you know, we had the land that was donated to us by the township um, and we had to raise the funds for it. And it's so thoughtful. Walking through, you can see that they thought of everything. So we're standing here by the fountain now. We've walked over to the fountain and we can hear it in the background. And you're showing me, Tara, the, the, the wall of names here? Yes. So there's um, uh, several, handful of pa panels and each panel has the, it's from A to Z, the names etched of every victim of 9-11. And the Pennsylvania victims, here's Michael's name, are, are noted by the... Um, keynote of Pennsylvania State. And then up here are the names of the Bucks County residents. You know, everything is symbolic as you walk through. And the fountains are situated to mimic the towers, and they are facing where the towers would be, would be facing. So two spouts of water. Yes, two, two spouts of water. And it's the rip, so the water, and you could see the ripple effect. There's several areas of berms, little hills. And that's, again, to mimic the ripple effect of 9-11. There's all types of symbolism with, you know, the number of trees. So we have ma red maples around the outside of the fountain that represent the residents of Lower Makefield Township who perished. And then we have um, these red buds. They represent the children that lost a parent in Pennsylvania. And then we have um, these larger trees on the outside that are in a circle that represent the 18 residents of the Bucks County who, who passed that day. They have a piece of the, you know, World Trade Center. These are beams from the World Trade Center that we got donated. It seems like things were meant to be because they, they found this one, I guess, type of, uh, like, writing facade that they loved. These berm plates, we went to a place in Brooklyn and picked out um, and the place we got them from, um, they did all of the work inside of the World Trade Center, which we did not know that when we got there. And they told us that after. When I look back at this place, we all wanted it to be a place of uh, peace. But again, a place where life goes on and life continues. And it's often pretty crowded and it's so beautiful to see. And it feels good. And I laugh about how, what a beautiful place this is, but my, you know, my husband, Michael was pretty quiet and in the, in the background. And now here he is like, this is like, I feel like his energy here, like, okay, out for display. Which is why she wanted her bench to be a little bit off the beaten path in the garden of reflection. 
I feel him when I come here and sit on the bench more, you know, than other parts of the garden. I was 29, 29, and then shortly after that, I was 30 years old, widowed <laughs> in a community that is very family oriented. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to, where, how to proceed with any of it. Like, I guess I did want to have children. Um, and, but, you know, I found myself being in the middle of these, of this community here, which was incredibly supportive. And yet, it, everywhere I looked, it reminded me of what I didn't have. That's a family now. You know, it's interesting, and that was something, of course, you struggle with when, or I did when I started dating. You know, I struggled, well, how, how can I have these feelings for him if, if I love Michael? And, and it took me a long time to like be like, oh, right. It can be both. You can, you know, you, you can love someone else for, for some other reasons. Her second husband, she really, um, attributes him to like pulling her out of her shell to be able to experience love and life again. He helped her kind of move, not past, but through the grief. He encouraged her to go through it and to feel it. And of course, if she hadn't met him, then she wouldn't have her son Cole. His dad and I eventually sep divorced. Um, and I don't regret any of it. And not just because I have my son, but I had life and I lived, you know, his dad actually is probably one of the people who was very instrumental in helping me to kind of live life and remind me that it didn't have to stop when Michael's life did. You know, I say for anyone, just because your partner dies, who said that you had to, in, in a sense that, who said that you don't deserve to have love? We're here. We are humans. We connect. And why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't anyone? We all deserve love. We all deserve connection. This is what, what was given to me. And out of what was given to me, Cole came. After one of the many ceremonies that they had at the Garden of Reflection, she said that Cole said something that was unbelievable to her and really shocking. At the end of the day, we were, my son and I were talking about 9-11 and Michael, and, and I've always talked to him about Michael, and I, he said, um, I'm glad it happened, and I sh shockingly said, what? What do you mean? He said, but if it didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. And so to me, that's just such a reminder that I had to go on. I went on, and, and life happens. Life continues, and we need to. Well, the crazy thing about this is that she was actually a person that helped others deal with this because she was an art therapist. And that was one of the struggles after he died. I had to take a leave. I couldn't help people. I couldn't help anyone. I could barely help myself. And so I took a, a leave and I went into culinary. I went to culinary school and I had a lot of fun with that. And eventually she felt a little bit better and she really missed art therapy. 
I just missed helping people. And so I got back into it. She went back to art therapy and she um, started her private practice, which is Blue Sky Therapy Center. Once she was able to kind of understand her grief, she was able to help others through it, maybe even better than before. If my experiences, which they have, impacted me greatly and I think have, cur- have um, helped me to be a better helper for others. Uh, and so if I can use that, I'm using it because, you know, finding a purpose in life is really important and having a purpose is important. And so for me to be able to say, okay, I had this horrific event happen to me and it has affected me forever, but I can still be strong and I can still move on and I can still help others and witness their struggles and help them get through their darkness. I can feel the lump in my throat as I'm talking you through this because, you know, I I don't know. I mean, there's no more like raw like feelings than, you know, grief and loss, but also love and a child and happiness and fulfillment. It's like, talk about living, man. She's lived. She has felt it all. And I guess in therapy, that's what you got to do. You got to feel it all. You got to go through all of the feelings and name them and feel them and move through them. And she kind of helps guide people through that. I knew him for 11 years, or whenever that is. And yes, he's been gone for 20, 20 years. And, and you know, definitely the, there are moments when it feels like yesterday still, as you see. <laughs> um, and then there, there are times when I think about it, I'm like, God, it feels like a lifetime that he hasn't been next to me. I, I haven't been able to hold him or touch him or kiss him hello and or goodbye and... Um, and you know, I've gone on and I've lived a lot of life and I, that's kind of been my, I don't know, my aim is not to stop I just take it all in and, and live for him and me. I kind of caught her just in the right time because she did not want to be around for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Every year I have felt the urge to attend a, a service. And it was almost, it's almost as if I'm there to represent Michael. And, and I, I, I ran many ceremonies here. <laughs> so, um, this year there are a lot of people who want to have a really, it's going to be a very big event here. And I want no part of that, to be honest. Well, Tara is a very private person. And she tells me that Michael was also like a very shy private person as well. So this is a very unusual situation for her to like be front and center during one of the most private moments of your life when you're grieving. It's a funeral every year. And I think that this time around, it was just a lot. It was a lot for her. You know, this year, it's kind of like as much as she wants to remember, she remembers every day. I have moved on. And again, it's that battle of, well, you moved on, but you still have grief and you still love Michael and you miss him. Um, but 
how do you proceed and what's important and, and how would it be helping me? So it's definitely time to have someone else. And, and, you know, there are plenty of people who want to and will do it. And, and it's okay if it doesn't happen. I mean, Michael is Michael to me. I mean, obviously the whole nation is going to be remembering it. And, you know, that, that's the bigger piece. I don't need to be a part of that. It's, it's happening. I think she just wanted a little privacy for this, this time around. I'm, I'm actually going to be away with my son. So that's going to be a good thing. She's actually going somewhere where she's not really going to have cell service. I think that's a, a bit of like self-care there to be able to go somewhere and go hiking and go be in nature and like be forced to not look at it, be forced to not see it. I did ask her about if she was following the news with Afghanistan because, you know, the war in Afghanistan was born out of the terror attacks. And she told me that, you know, in all honesty, it's very difficult for her to follow the news. I watch the news, I don't know, probably 20 hours a day for a long time after 9-11. And I couldn't anymore. And I still can't. Everything that goes on, it's just um, hard for me to hear it. Not even 9-11 related, just your usual uh, shooting or whatever that goes on in Philly. It's like, I can't, it's it's too much for, for me to to hold on to. For her own mental health, I don't think that she could really kind of get into it. And even now with coronavirus, yeah, the news is coronavirus. Sometimes she needs to take a breath and take a break and turn it off and do a little self-care and just not worry about it. I don't know if it's because things have changed or because, you know, we have social media now that there's so much polarization. The way we consume technology has changed and the way people put out information has changed. People can just put whatever they want out there. You know, you can, you can get into this situation where you see a lot of the bad things. I want to believe that everything that's, all of the changes that have happened have been good. Um, but unfortunately we see a lot of still negative stuff happening. So that gets me, you know, a little, uh, out of sorts maybe. And you know, from like a therapy perspective, I could see how just coronavirus could be triggering to somebody who not only has to relive 9-11 every year, but on the 20th anniversary, we're like, coming out, hopefully coming out of this pandemic, but she felt isolated. It very much triggered a lot of my stuff from 9-11, like a lot of that fear and a lot of that, the unknown. This past year really took her back to those early years of being lost after his death, being by herself, trying to navigate through the grief. And it was just like all of the unknown, all of the, the fear and the worry, you know, and, and it really was a challenge for me in the beginning. And then it got easier. A lot of people have been through grief this year. It's been a very difficult year for so many people. People have lost loved ones and it reminds her of that. People are in the midst of this pandemic and they're like, they were on lockdown and shut down and everyone was kind of like doing what they had to, to manage, to survive. And it's, it's almost like you disconnect, like I had to, to manage after 9-11. You kind of disconnect from your emotions and, 
And then at some point when it's safe, that's when the unraveling happens. And I feel like for the people, for everyone with the pandemic, it's definitely, I think we're just starting to come to see the, the damage from this pandemic. Like I think people are starting to unravel. I don't know. I still have to have faith that things will always get better. We always have to strive for something more. She's such a positive person. That That's what really struck me about her is how she could come out of this tragedy and put an optimistic spin on everything. What do you think of when you sit here on the bench? <laughs> well, when I told you, oh, this, you know, I picked this spot because of the tree in our yard, um, it reminds me of a first barbecue that we had in our backyard and we had some, you know, a bench under the, under the tree or chairs under the tree. And it was like a very hot day too, like today. <laughs> um, so I just, I think of good times. It's sad when I think like 20 years, wow, 20 years gone by that he did not get a chance to live, to try new things, to get a new job, to, Whatever, whatever is maybe go bald. I don't know, you know, <laughs> like the, all the things that happen in these last two decades, you know, he didn't, he didn't have those opportunities and it's sad. She's a young woman. She's around 50-ish, almost 50. And she still has a lot of life in her, you know. This isn't the end for her. She's got so, she's got another chapter after Michael died, I remember thinking, we had, we had all these plans, you know, we had, uh, we were gonna have a child and maybe two and he was gonna transfer to Philly and, you know, we just had plans for life and that didn't happen. And so I think one of the things that I try to do is not plan so much. You know, I can tell that the grief is still there. It never goes away, but. That grief has evolved and she has evolved. She's kind of like, uh, you know, have you ever seen a tree that like grows in a certain way and there's like, you know, like a wire and it, the tree just kind of like grows around it. It seems like she's just grown around her grief and is living with it, but it doesn't define her. What are you going to be angry for? I mean, I could wallow in that anger forever and then, and then I would feel like they won. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, what they took enough from me, and I say they and the terrorists and those who do evil things, um, I don't want to reduce myself to anywhere near that. And so I, I try, I mean, yes, I can get angry about it when I think about it, but it's, it's definitely smoother and softer. Like I said, she's taking a break and she is taking this time, I think, to reflect on the past 20 years. She tells me she has a book in her. That has been um, a lot of a lot of time thinking about putting my story into words. And I guess I'm feeling ready to to sort of really dive into it. She wants to get it out of her head and into a book. And I mean, she probably has a couple of books in her. I don't know what's what's in front of me. I'll just take it as it comes. And I, I hope that I can continue to help people and help them in their healing and with their mental health. And I love, you know, watching my son grow and 
traveling is a big thing, so I hope to do that with him all the time. I have faith that things will always work out. I do pray that, I mean, especially on, on the heels of this anniversary, that, you know, we keep, we keep working towards that ideal of peace and, and justice and, you know, and just remembering how to, how to treat our neighbors. It really struck me how she didn't turn to anger and she turned to an optimistic take and, and positivity and helping people. There's evil in lots of corners. That's not going away. I guess that the more I understand that this evil, the more I feel or I want to be kinder and compassionate and loving and positive. We, we can't forget that there is hatred and, and we have to practice the opposite. She's just such an inspiration. So she's such an amazing person. It like emanates from her, like the, the positivity, you know, the thankfulness, the gratitude. She's able to be grateful for what she has, even though she lost so much. We can get through stuff. We can get through hard stuff. Life isn't easy, <laughs> but it's worth it. We take for granted that every day is just going to happen the way we anticipate that it'll happen. And the thing that strikes me about this story is how one little choice can change the whole trajectory of your life. Like, you know, going to work on time or maybe being late that day can change who's born, can change where you live, can make you feel grief or happiness. It's just amazing how these small choices every day impact us and the people around us. It, it makes me think that like the, how the whole world is interconnected. So many things are interconnected by the choices that we choose. I would say that wake up in that on 9-11 and hug your loved ones for sure. And I would say that say some of the things you meant to say or want to say or thought of but never said. Because every day isn't promised to you. I'm sure she didn't expect her life to change in that moment when she said I love you and kissed him goodbye when he went off to work on Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. And so you never know what tomorrow brings. Makes me just want to be thankful for every day that I have with my family. It, I feel like she got that too because that's the sense that I got talking to her that she's thankful for every day. Gratitude is what I got out of it and finding that beauty, making that choice to be happy. I feel like happiness is a fight, you know, in the deepest time, in the deepest, darkest times, it's a, sometimes it really is a fight. You got to find those glimmers. And I hope that we continue to remember that as we move further and further away, as the anniversaries continue to roll on. I know everyone says, like, never forget. And I say, let's remember. Let's always remember. Yes. Do I want everyone to remember Michael? Yes. That's, that's, but that's not. We need to remember. We need to understand, first of all, understand why they did what they did. What drove them to do that? And how we, 
doesn't matter about the person next to you, but how you yourself can be a better person and, and be more tolerant and allowing different beliefs to come through and not feel threatened by that. I don't know what it will be like. Will, will the memorials die down after the 20 year? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how I would feel about it, but I, the one thing is that we need to just keep talking about it and not to ruminate about it, but just to not forget really again, how, how such a, such an event could have happened. And some, there, there's some harsh realities of what happened and what that day looked like and what that meant in so many levels and so many capacities we can't push any of it under the carpet we have to say what it is and look at it and make our own individual decisions and collectively to be better 